Welcome to Creativity, the podcast where art and engineering collide. My name is Max Maker and this is my co-host, Jeremy S. Cook. Hi guys, today we have a very special guest named Pat Reagan. Say, say hi to everybody, Pat. Hi everybody, I'm Pat, but I, I'll get in trouble if I don't correct you. My last name is pronounced Regan. Oh, well, I'm so very that's sorry. Fine. I guess I didn't do my research correctly. So it's, it's, anyway, we have Pat Regan, Regan on here, not Regan. Regan, and, it's that thing that your Tesla does when you brake. Yes, right, exactly. Regan. Yeah, exactly. Regan, yeah. <laughs> so so uh, now that I've screwed that up, uh, Pat, Pat is a early retiree and actually he's the first retiree we had on the on the show and that's um, true yeah you know now instead of instead of working for a tech company he actually flies quadcopters around uh runs a maker space and pretty much does whatever he wants is that is that an accurate description of your your life now pat oh that's not too bad um i don't i have to yeah i feel bad i'm gonna have to correct you again i don't run a oh, maker space no. anymore i've uh, kind of retired from that <laughs> about six months ago or so so you've but retired from from everything. From volunteering, That's... too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did that a few years ago. <laughs> I stuck around my local makerspace, uh, even though I never built anything there, because I thought they could really need the help. And then at some point it was like, yeah, you don't need to be. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I guess I guess you could tell I've done my research uh, quite well for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's okay, Jeremy. You're a journalist. Sometimes you screw up. <laughs> <laughs> so but did you start to make a space no no i got in about those guys were we have a really big maker maker space here in dallas i think it's the second or third largest in the country i forget if that's by you know square footage or members or whatnot number but, of spanners yeah tools who knows but uh <laughs> here i'm in uh, plano texas we're a suburb of a suburb of dallas almost there's a town in between us and Dallas and the Dallas makerspace, you know, if there's traffic down the highway, it's, we have to take a toll road to get there. And it's about, you know, 45 minutes to a little over an hour to get there. And who wants to pay dues and go to a makerspace that's, you know, have to drive an hour to get there every time you want to make something. So mm -hmm. we were trying to build something a little closer to home here. And I got in right as the, right as they were signing the lease on the building. And it's a small building, but we've we've been doing a good job. We started out when I got there. I I set up the couple of three D printers that we ordered, and you know, it took a took a year or two before we started to really get more tools than that. We were mostly classroom space, and I should probably be nice and plug them. It's uh, the lab.ms is the website, the lab.ms in Plano here, and they're building out a woodworking shop now, and they're they're doing a pretty good job. They're, it's it's tough to grow a small makerspace, but it's working out. Nice. So, so you guys are still uh, friendly even after the the coup, I guess. Is that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, everything's everything's just <laughs> fine. <laughs> you know, we we kind of had it easy with getting money for the makerspace because apparently uh, these institutions that want to support like technology or like you know knowledge and uh, the industries, they don't have many things that they can spend money on. Like there's a lots of arts, like arts want support all the time, like theaters and what have you. But apparently when we asked them, like, yeah, can you give something like for the makerspace? They had something ready for this category straight away. Oh, that's we great. Had people 
I'm sorry, Jeremy. Well, I was just gonna say, you mean it local to you in Germany, Max? Is that? Oh yeah, yeah, in my my hometown. Oh, that, that's great. So. We had people doing their best trying to get grant money, and it's it's not as easy as you'd expect it to be. <laughs> <laughs> and and I've I've seen news pop up. We've got a lot of uh, you know big military contracting companies, you know, like Raytheon and mm-hmm. somebody else. I can't remember who who else, but Raytheon donated $50,000 to a little makerspace thing in a museum, not too far from here, no, about 10 miles away. And I'm like, well, how did they do that? How do you get $50,000 from a giant company like that? And we had no idea how you do that. Hmm. I figured by now we'd meet somebody who is, you know, uh, somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody at a big company that would write a check, but it, you know, it just never happened. So, so how big is the makerspace that you are now? I guess for, former well, former head head of co-founder. Yeah. Well, me me and my wife were both on the board of directors last year, and there's five board members and about eight people in leadership, eight or nine, or I'm going to get that wrong. And that sounds sounds reasonable. Like a critical mass has been reached. Yeah, we, we have about I would say about a hundred members. And that's compared to the Dallas makerspace that has, last time I checked, they had 1,400 or 1,500 members. Wow. That's, that's, that's probably like, That's higher. huge. That's, that's, oh, like they're gigantic. Small, that's like a small university. I mean, not, oh, not even that small. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. They've got something like 40,000 square feet, and they've got an auto shop with a lift and a, you know, a blacksmithing area, laser cutters, CNCs. They have a giant metalworking cnc machine that looks like a like a little tram car from a little you know like a you know it's about 10 oh, feet yeah. high 20 i don't know what it is i don't know the first thing about it but yeah i think uh like a lot of haws or something or like like a, yeah. like a turning center yeah that, that sounds right that I sounds believe awesome that. it's yeah, amazing i thought uh yeah it's it's amazing what Amazing what you can do if you have the, the money for it. <laughs> yeah. It really is. And all their financials are all kind of open. It's on their website. And the, if we had the cash they have in the bank, we'd be, we'd have been doing great. Still though, I mean, a hundred, hundred people isn't, that's, you know, if you got a hundred active people, that's that, not a bad sign. Yeah. That's, that's pretty big. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't of, think we had 100 one year after starting. Well, well, we know we have, well, we've been, I think we'd be in our third year by now. Maybe couldn't be fourth. I don't know. It's tough to. Time passes. Tougher. It really does, doesn't it? <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, I say there's a hundred. There's a hundred paying members. I don't know how many people are actively there on a regular, a regular basis. It's quite a bit less than I guess. Maybe ten to twenty percent of the community is regularly active. But it's still pretty good. I'm I'm impressed with how well we've done. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. I mean, for three years, uh, you know, the our local, I guess, local-ish places, the Tampa Hacker Space, I'll, I guess I'll give them a little shout out. I'm a member there. I think they've got about 200 members and, yeah, they have pretty good, you know, I think it's somewhere around what, what you were saying, the Lab MS, somewhere between that and, you know, probably a bit more as far as tools go, but not, not in any way near where the Dallas makerspace is. That's just but you, incredible. You know, it doesn't matter how big you are. It matters what you do with it. So... What are the projects that you are doing in your makerspace? Oh, that's, I haven't been over in quite a few months. So it's a good question. The last thing that I remember them working on, they were having, 
they've been doing a good job at uh, running classes for people. Like when when I was there, we did a couple of workshops building uh, quadcopters from scratch. Well, from scratch, you know, it's like building a PC. You buy components and you sure. put them together. It's <laughs> sure. Yeah, but. You're not, you're not mining the uh, aluminum from or alu- no, aluminum? No, no, no. We're not like weaving the carbon fiber by hand or anything. It's you, you buy. All we we had, we had this guy on. Uh, how, how was the channel called again? That makes everything from scratch. Was one of our very first episodes. That would be a project for him. Make his own quadcopter. Make his own quadcopter. <laughs> yeah, we've yeah, got to make might... the magnets. That seems like the hardest part to me would be making the rare earth magnets for the motors. That's true. I guess he'd have to get into China and so smuggle it out somehow. And, you know, they don't seem to look highly on, South, on crime there. Southern Africa. <laughs> that, that too that presents its own uh, set of set of challenges. Yeah. Especially if you have to row there. Oh, but, yeah. I guess you'd have to row there if you're really going to make or swim there. Maybe. If, I don't think you can yeah. swim there. Many many people row across the Atlantic every year. I can't imagine doing that. No. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just you know, even if I'm very wise words. (laughs) You hear about people swimming from the from England across to the rest of Europe, and that seems like a. I mean, I have no idea how far that is. Oh, that's not so far. That's maybe forty, fifty kilometers, I think. So twenty-five miles, I think. I could swim that, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, one guy this year, he swam around the whole uh, whole Great Britain. So that's the island. Not all at once, though. Like... No, he, he oh, swam, no. then he Thank slept goodness. on a boat, then he swam lots of um, jellyfish in the way. I don't know if he finished yet, but uh, he was, you know, he probably made half of it when I stopped watching oh. or last time I watched. It's a good show. It was sponsored by Red Bull, I think. I'm glad he's sleeping on a boat. That makes it seem a lot more legitimate than, you know, pulling into land every time to. to oh, yeah. 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 I like point. that. You know, I, I think, I don't know if anybody actually did, but I think the challenge was, you know, if they could swim from Cuba to Florida or vice versa, I guess. But I don't. It seems like somebody tried to do that, but I think she had a bit of a hard time with it, as you can that imagine. can't be easy. <laughs> That's more than 25 miles. Yeah, I think it's like 90 miles. I only know that because, well, you know, like, oh, just 90 miles offshore, you've got Cuba. For, for... The, the furthest I ever rode on my bicycle was 45 kilometers in a day. That's like 20 miles, 25 miles. Nice. I, I I've gone right. almost half that far on an electric bike, but that's <laughs> cheating. But I ran out of battery and had to push it a mile to get picked up in a car. That was a bummer. It's crazy, isn't it? When the battery runs out, they're really hard to drive. It's amazing. Yeah, and it's so. It, I had a thirty-pound backpack on my back, and I had to hunch over to push it. And it was and it was ninety-eight degrees outside. It was sunny. There was no shade on that path. It was not a fun last mile at all. Oh, don't sounds, try it. Don't do sounds, it. Sounds pretty horrible. It was. <laughs> yeah, it was not fun. I don't, you know, I, I'm not a. You know, into all that exercising and stuff. I guess that's not really true. I don't. I don't enjoy it, but I do it because. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, well, now Pat, you know, I guess um, just thinking about kind of what 
I guess just thinking about what we could ask you. What now? You were you were retired, correct, from a tech company? Is that well, that not I... not really a tech company. I've, I mean, what I've done is nothing special. It's not like I was, uh, you know, at a dot com company or something. I've, I worked for a couple of different telecom companies, and then I worked for another smaller random company after that. But kind of what happened was I, I was working. I was managing an IT department and. You know, it seemed like it was time to to move on. That's you know that happens sometimes, not for any terrible reasons or anything. It was just getting boring. So, sure. you know, I slowly transitioned out of that company. And at the time, I was living you know where I grew up. It was uh, you, you guys may have even heard of the town. It was up in uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Where you're uh, joking? No, I'm not joking at all. Really? And, and I'm I'm very excited that you sound like a fan of the office. The Electric City, yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we watch it every night, literally every night. We watch it with my girlfriend. That's awesome. That I had to watch because that's my hometown. So you you know you can't not watch it, right? Did Did they film it in your hometown? Uh the introduction is filmed. All, all the stuff that you know, the little road signs they pass by and stuff. That's in my hometown, but I don't think they filmed anything up there but they mention local things all the time there's an episode where michael gets steamtown mall steamtown mall spent most of my time in high school hanging out at the steamtown <laughs> mall <laughs> the there's an episode where michael is in a at a job fair trying to find an intern yes yeah. yes they, we need he, a piece of paper that's all we need yeah. he gets so mad at my cousin's funeral home at the <laughs> <laughs> and there's another episode where they're comparing uh, Alfredo's Pizza to Al, what is it? Alfredo's Pizza Cafe or something? Pizza, pizza by Alfredo. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Alfredo's Pizza. It's right across. You can see the back of the of the building from my parents' front porch, and I could almost <laughs> I could just barely see their Wi-Fi network from. <laughs> so how's the, how's the pizza there? It's actually pretty good. It's a it's a good little place. Okay. Well, one is bad, the other one is good. The other and one they sound almost the same. One of them doesn't exist. They put up a fake 1990s looking uh, GeoCities looking web page for the fake one. <laughs> I, I had to look it up because I'm like, I've never heard of this other place. Is it really there? And it's it's not. It's not there. But that's okay. So why is it called the Electric City? Uh, I guess it was one of the first cities to have an electrified streetcar system. <laughs> and we don't have streetcars. You know, those streetcars are those, uh, you know, like San Francisco. The Yeah, yeah. We yeah. still have them, but they're faster now. And Yeah. Well, these were the ones that ran right in the middle of the road. You know, I guess at the time you yeah. still had horses and whatnot riding next. I don't know how that worked. I wasn't alive back then, so I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, you're retired, but you're not that old. I, I believe I'm you're not what? that retired yet. You're in your I'm, early, I'm only... early 40s, I guess, right? Yes, yes. I just uh, I, a little over forty-one now, I guess. And I always have to ask my wife that. She never, I never remember. So how come you are retired? Oh well, I left that job. The whatever I was talking about. We, I know we were. I got off track with uh, Scranton there. And my wife and her father were talking about. He he retired back around then, and they were talking about maybe moving down to uh, Georgia where. My wife's brother lives, and he had a son that was just, you know, probably three or four years old at the time. And, you know, my father-in-law wanted to, you know, spend time with his grandson, and my wife wanted to spend time with her nephew. I said, well, let's just, 
I left this job. Let's just uh, rent an apartment down there and see what happens. And we stayed there for a few years, and it was a small town. It's a uh, there's an air force base nearby, and that's pretty much the only employer for you know 20 miles. It's and it takes 25 minutes to drive to the nearest grocery store. It was uh, not a great place to find work, and I didn't need to find work, so I didn't even try. And then, you know, we kind of got sick of living there, so I said, well, you know, I lived for three years near Dallas, so let's go back there. And we've been here for, you know, six or eight years now, maybe more. Could it be more? <laughs> I don't even know. But, you know... When we first moved to Georgia, I was kind of financing most everything. And now my money's been getting small. You know, my savings have been getting more and more depleted. And But now my wife has been working since we got to Dallas. And she's been, you know, doing a better job, making more money every few years. And so now I'm kind of the one. I'm kind of the housewife. Kind of the, right the, house, the house, the house man, the, the man of the, the house, house, I guess. The man of the house. Sure, I'll take that. That's... Fair <laughs> enough. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, I don't. I have no idea how much longer I can sustain this. But we'll uh, we'll see what happens. So, so you're technically not really retired. You're just out of a job. Well, oh, that's it, not, I'd be that's out of the job. Nice, Max. Well, no, it's <laughs> I'd be out of the job if I ever looked for one. I haven't looked for one yeah, since okay. I left that. Uh, I mean, no, I do a little of this. And a you little can of only that retire once, is what I want to say. Well, I always t I don't ever I, t I don't ever tell people that I'm retired. When people ask me what you know. When I was hanging out at the makerspace all the time, you're always giving tours to people that stop by, right? And, you know, every time somebody asks you what you do, I always tell them that I pretend to be retired. Oh, that's, that's uh, good enough. That's good Funnily enough, we had many people in the Fab Lab that were kind of retired. Like, where you asked, like, what are they doing all day? Yeah, what do you do? It's And it's hard. And, you know, in retiring the way that I retired, it's not like, you know, I have some full huge pension to just live off of. So I can't just be, you know, writing checks all day for all kinds of fun things to do. So it's, uh, I kind of have to amuse myself, right? And, you know, not spend too much money on all my hobbies. Well, sure. But I guess, I guess you have a, uh, I guess you run a website, pats, patshead.com, right? Is that... I. Does that pay for your hobbies somewhat, or is that no? Well, you know, I'd love it if it did, and and I kind of slacked off on the blogging thing while while I was uh, helping out at the makerspace for a few years. I hate to blame the makerspace, though. That that sounds like a bummer, but <laughs> a combination of me slacking off for three year, two or three years, and Google's made a lot of changes in the like all my traffic to my blog comes from Google, like ninety eight percent of everything and i'm i'm happy with that but i guess google's made some changes to their algorithms and where they direct people to i guess it probably helps you guys out it directs they seems like they direct more people towards youtube than they do towards you know written words on small websites yeah that, hmm. that would so, that would make sense i mean since they you own youtube i guess it's kind of um you know let's, let's keep it in the family right exactly yep I still remember when they were all about the blogs. Like you yeah. could really get high in the rankings if you had a blog on your website and suddenly everybody had a stupid blog. And there are companies that just make like one product. What's the point of having a blog about this? There won't ever be any news. No, never. It's well, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like now it's, you know, you see on like Twitter, probably Instagram. I don't really use Instagram, but I'd assume it's the same thing, you know, like like toilet paper or 
potato chips or you know what whatever <laughs> you know probably bleach has like a twitter account it's like yeah like, yeah it's bleach it's been bleach it's gonna be bleach yeah, i don't even I know the news about the, it what do i tweet at the toilet paper company i had a major problem with your product what <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know I, I feel like they probably get some uh non, they have a standard answer work. which is uh, please visit a proctologist if that's the name in english it must be it is that's is that... gotta be what they do it's that's correct yep <laughs> i mean I'm, I'm impressed though i barely know that that word in english so <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> well we're we're in america jeremy we don't have to we don't tend to know all the words we just know the ones we need to get by yeah that's true i mean you know as as an engineer who pretends to be a journalist at times i guess i i've been learning a lot of a lot of new, 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 gooder words and uh, and such. <laughs> so, I don't... It's all about learning, lifelong learning. Lifelong learning, that's right. Um, yeah, and you, you were talking about the blogging, and I'll tell you, writing is—it's so much easier than you guys making YouTube videos. So much easier. But I'm—I'm I'm almost afraid to use complicated, fancy words when I write. I, I want to sound a little conversational. I. You know, like there's, I, there's, I think uh, you have a really good style. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's all about. I don't know. It's it's like a big balance, you know. Because I, I remember I had a pain gig with somebody, and they wanted me to write something for them, and I put. Remember, I used. What did I use? I used the word arcane because I thought it was just a cool word, you know, which means like uh, like unknown knowledge almost or something. I was like, yeah, I don't think this is going to be really uh, correct for our audience, and like, yeah, you know, fair enough. You know, you got to. <laughs> you, know, you gotta it's like you gotta you gotta strike that balance between sounding in, at least somewhat competent yourself and then just using words that yeah, just you still have used. to sound friendly yeah well or like or like yeah. a lot of a lot of technical blogs or not blogs or just papers or whatever they use all these acronyms acronyms upon acronyms they, sometimes. they're really annoying and i mean you you understand why they use them because otherwise they have to write out this 20 you know, blah, 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 blah. Or they can just say KQC or whatever. But at the same time, you got to have some source to look up what, what KQC means. Otherwise you just, and I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that a lot of people use these acronyms without actually knowing what they stand for, just what they more or less do. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm not even kidding. I, I mean, I, I, I'm sure you've, uh, Pat, you've used the word, uh, vase amount before I would think. And, yeah, um, absolutely. I, uh, I thought, thought Vesa is just a it's just a brand name. No, it's a it's a isn't it a standards organization of some sort? I I believe so, but I have no idea what it means. Or or like or this Max, what about a Denrail? That that stands for something in German, but it's like an a, a, you know we use first it time standard. I hear that word. You've never heard of Din? It stands for I D- don't know. D-I-N. D-I-N rail. <laughs> oh, you guys. Dean. <laughs> You guys call it Dean? Dean. Yeah. Anyway, we call it, or at least in the South, we call it Dinrail. And, um, you know, nobody has any, any, nobody yeah, has makes sense. any idea what it stands for. But we know well, that... Well, Din stands for Deutsche Industrienorm, which is German industry norm. It's Visa in German. <laughs> yeah, what's about Visa? <laughs> I don't know what Visa is. Any, anyway, I guess this is... Uh, <laughs> This is but same with NEMA, NEMA 17. National Electoral Manufacturers Association. 
Oh wow! Well Boom. Done. I, I I guess you can use these words. Well, Nemus, you know, you can use the word Nema, I guess. Yeah, but well, I got a question for you, you Pat, and, and Max probably sure. knows the answer because we had somebody uh, on here that explained it to me. But what is 17? When you say Nema 17 or 23, what does the 17 or 23 stand for? Well, I, I don't, I don't know. I know what? it's the di- it has to do with the diameter of the motor. Is it the mount the spacing between the mounting? It can't be because they're not that's not seventeen millimeters. And it's not metric either. It's it's not metric. Seven geez. seventeen inches. That's like the I, I mean I guess I need to measure it to be sure, but remember um oh, Se- but seventeen watts of an inch. I'm I'm just you have me staring at a NEMA seventeen motor. Oh, can you still hear me? I'm walking away from the mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, sure. <laughs> <laughs> 17 inches we had um nothing on a nema 17 is 17 inches no, sorry. No, I, one no. 1.7 inches okay that looks about that makes like, sense right. 44 millimeters or 42 millimeters is like the spacing between the bowls of no the, the the width of the housing right and uh was um i did the name escaped me escaped me for a second but that one um the electromechanical engineer that we had on a while ago he explained that to us and i was like i had no idea uh you remember i'm i'm so i'm pretty bad with names to be honest but i i don't know who who i i can't even remember us talking about this maybe it's your second podcast it was uh yeah it was it was a pretty pretty arcane conversation just to use (laughs) (laughs) probably (laughs) then it was pocket 83 yeah actually i wouldn't be surprised if pocket 83 knew that it was uh, actually it was it was proto g because he works in that... Um, Proto, of course, yeah. yeah. He posted a really nice uh, video today uh, on his Instagram about uh, Fabtech. And he made like a little um, collection of all the fancy robots that he saw. And they were amazing. Like robots picking up sheet metal and putting it into sheet metal presses. Or like robots making little um, steel brackets, like bending steel, cutting it off insanely fast they make so many of these little steel brackets there uh really good video nice well we'll have to to check that out because i don't i don't use instagram so i'll have to instagram (laughs) i still instagram doesn't seem to have a very good uh computer interface which is just anyway that's a whole nother it's a whole nother subject you've got a phone right i've got a phone but at the same time i don't it's owned by facebook which you know, maybe yeah, that's why I've avoided here. Instagram too. Thank you, thank you, Pat. I I, I don't yeah, like Instagram pretty, either, but thank thank you, Pat, for um, validating my paranoia. Um, apparently, well, it's it's really important. I don't know why yet, but everybody's on about Instagram. Yeah, and Instagram is very popular with uh, the quadcopter pilots, the FPV, you know, the guys that are doing the skateboard like tricks and stuff. They love Instagram and. I kind of feel like I'm missing out a little bit there, but I don't, I don't have, I don't know what to do about that. Well, they, they need to follow you on Twitter and YouTube and patshead.com because you're, I mean, they really I, do. I assume you're pretty good at the quadcopter scene by at this point. Is that, is that, you know, would you well, have known, known that say I, I am pretty good. Is that, I, I think I'm better than average. I'm at least better than average these days, but the guys that, you know, the guys that are really good, the guys with, you know, like 100,000 subscribers on YouTube, those guys fly like, I mean, it's just amazing the things that they can pull off. Nice. But that is your, I mean, that's that's your main hobby at this point, correct? Now that you're... Definitely, definitely. I don't know how I accidentally got into this, but, well, I know how I got into it, but I don't know why it stuck, but I'm, so, I've really been enjoying it. 
So what do you find so fascinating about flying quadcopters? Do you fly them fast or do you take videos with them? What do you do with them? Well, it's, uh, there's, well, you know, I answer this question all the time. You'd think I'd know right where to start. You know, when we did, when we did the first quadcopter build at the lab, uh, it just, a new guy showed up one day. He found us on, Re he, on Reddit. He just moved into town and he said, I need something to do. And he, He came out and he showed us his quadcopters. <laughs> he came out. We do it. We used to do a, well, I'm sure they still do, a weekly video game night every Saturday night. And he just stopped by. He showed us his quadcopters. He said, you know, we used to do a build class at a community college. Would you guys like to do one? And we're like, well, hell yeah, we want to build quadcopters. But we were building those big, boring quadcopters that look, you know, like, I don't want to say they're DJI Phantoms, but you know, the big DJI Phantom, the big white bulbous <laughs> quadcopter. And people mm -hmm. were talking about, you know, putting a camera on them and stuff. And it was, they were pretty boring. But he also had, he was also into the racing drones. We did, well, all we called them was racing drones at that, at that time. And they were smaller with the little five inch propellers instead of the 10 inch propellers. And they have a little analog camera on the front that feeds into a set of goggles. And so it's like you're inside the, the quadcopter and you're fly, you know, you fly forward and you go fast. And I thought that was pretty cool. So I designed my own frame to start out. I designed a 3D printed nylon quadcopter frame. And I had to use three inch propellers because that's as big of a frame as I could print on my uh, eight inch old Prusa printer here. I, I tell a lot of people that uh, flying these racing drones, it, it really scratches a lot of itches from things that me and my friends have done, you know, just growing up, you know. Building quadcopters, like I already probably mentioned, is a lot like building a PC. You know, you buy, instead of buying a motherboard, you buy a flight controller. Instead of buying, you know, video cards and sound cards and stuff, you solder on speed controllers for your motors. You know, it's all just components that you buy and you you pick and choose what fits your needs best and you put it all together. So it's, it's a lot like that. You get to do some tinkering. You get to do some, uh, you know, making in there. Some people just buy stuff that's straight off the shelf and just use it. Some people make little tweaks and stuff. And then it's also a lot like uh, sports cars. We used to, you know, 20 years ago, my friends and I used to be into modifying and we didn't really race, but, you know, driving fast and making our cars go faster. And boy, flying an FPV quadcopter is just like that. You <laughs> you get to fly at 90 miles an hour. The things accelerate it. You could pull about nine G's in a straight line. It's just, it's fantastic. It's like playing a video game in real life. That sounds awesome. And it's, it's so much fun. And you were asking Max, if I record video and not quite what you'd expect. It's not like the photography drones where you just get up there and you point the camera at something and you take a slow pass by something we do. What I do, they call freestyle FPV freestyle. It's a lot like, what people do with skateboards, you know, they go off of ramps and do little tricks and slide down things. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what we do with the quadcopters. And we put a GoPro on the front of the quadcopter. So we've got the little crummy analog camera that transmits, you know, the 1980s NTSC video signal to our goggles with a very low latency. And we fly with that and we record on the GoPro and we, you know, post some footage on YouTube, do a little edit out the good parts. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah, sounds sounds like fun. I you know one thing I um, I saw you guys post something about that little tiny drone that 
I, I've yet the to buy Emacs it. Tiny Hawk. Is that is that the the one? If if I said I I know nothing about quadcopters, I'd like to get an FPV flight. Is is that the is that the one you would recommend? You think today I would absolutely say yes because I think it's about 160 or 170 bucks, and you get a battery, a charger, the tiny little indoor quadcopter that's very safe, and you get a uh, a set of cheap goggles and a. I hate to say cheap. I shouldn't be saying that. You get the <laughs> lower end goggles and a, a pretty basic but more than usable uh, controller transmitter to hold in your hands. Nice. So you can totally get flying with that. And it's it's a lot of me and my friend Brian, we were just over at his house yesterday, just flying those little tiny hawks around his house. Yeah. You know, I, I saw that on Twitter. Now he's got a um, looks like he's got a house with like a, a ledge on the second story. Is, is, that, is that correct? Yeah. So, so the real estate agent, when he or she was showing them around, were like, and this, uh, this Brian, uh, I guess Brian Moses, that's his name. It's correct. That's who yep. you're, he's like, well, and this, this Brian, this is, it would be perfect for indoor, uh, quadcopter flight. If, if you're into that, and, <laughs> you know, they must have, he was more excited that right behind his house, there's a, on the street behind him, there's a tiny little park with a big water tower in it. Ah, uh. <laughs> and it's a, it's a lot of fun flying over there. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, I last night just because his son was having so much fun watching us fly the his son's just turned three and we put the video feed of one of our quadcopters up on the TV so he could watch as we were flying around. He's got a little set of goggles. He puts them on and takes them off randomly while we're and we gave him an old uh, transmitter, an old controller, and he doesn't know he's not flying. He thinks <laughs> acts like he's flying. He's having a blast. But towards the end, just before it got dark, I took one of my quadcopters and I just went outside the back of Brian's house into his backyard and I just flew over to the water tower and back just so he could watch it on the TV. And that was a lot of fun. Nice. You know, it's funny you mentioned his three-year-old son. I've got a son that's a little bit older than that. And he's just now figuring out that you have to put quarters in the video games to play them. You know, before he'd sit down at the car racing game like, oh, this is, you know. I'm driving. Yeah, which is awesome because, you know, I don't have to pay for it. And it's a much better value. Yeah, it's much better value. <laughs> it was, it's like I was, you know, he got me, I don't remember why, but I was, we were at this restaurant and I started playing a, a video game there. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's one of the games you have to put quarters in. And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's 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 exactly right. Not the kind that you like that don't, don't require money. <laughs> yeah, these new ones, they just started making them that you have to put the quarters in. So when you're building these uh, quadrocopters or you're, uh, yeah, yeah, you're building them, how do you improve them? What, what's, what are the things that you're tweaking to make them better? Well, to tell you the truth, the biggest thing that's, the biggest improvements have just been coming from the, the manufacturers and the firmware that we run on them is, uh, it's all open source and the developers have been doing a fantastic job. Everything just flies better than it did two years ago. The software's mm -hmm. 10 times better. The hardware is better. These days, we don't have to do much. You just kind of, as long as you're using good quality parts, they stand up to crashes. And we crash a lot, you know, just smashing into trees, into concrete, into, yeah, it's, if you, if you did that with a DJI Phantom or a Mavic or something, you'd be sending it in for repair all the time. But you'd be in trouble. Hmm. You know, but I, I'm working. Oh, go uh, ahead, Jeremy. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say, I actually, I actually got to fly one of the, um, the DJI, 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 the ones with the foldable uh, landing gear. I'm sure you probably yep, know what those the are. The Mavic. The Mavic. Yep. 
Yeah, and it, it's funny. I, I've I've only flown a little Hubson, like actually even a smaller one, but you know, little model ones you fly around with the the real cheap ones, like thirty bucks, and then a, a Mavic. And it, it's funny they both handle kind of the same. They both have the same feeling, even though it's obviously yep, and a couple thousand dollars and the Hubson thirty. The Hubson does that on purpose. That's a like the those DJI all the photography drones. They're they're self leveling and the controls work. My my friend who got us into this, he explained to us that with with our racing quadcopters, you're you're the pilot, and when you're the and the DJ, I'm goofing this up. I don't even remember what he actually said. But with the <laughs> with like the Mavic or the Phantom, you're it's it's on autopilot and you're just telling it what to do. You're telling it go forward and and when you let go, it stops going forward. Like with with my racing drone, when you push forward, it just leans forward, and when you let go, it'll stay leaning forward until it runs into something or you know it's it's a lot more like piloting a helicopter than it is flying a a DJI uh, or something. Or, or but, so, so I would assume. Do, do you fly helicopters? I guess I should. That... I would love to fly a helicopter, but no, I've never. <laughs> I've never, but I've I've been inter I've been curious now because I never I understand the the physics of how a helicopter works you know with like the collective pitch on the rotor and the you know the tail rotor keeping you facing forward so that you you know so that the you know the physics where you sure. know the momentum of the blades doesn't spin you around and everything but I never looked at how the you know the controls inside the cockpit work and it all maps. It's it's different because on the quadcopter, when you give it throttle, it spins the propellers faster. That's different than a, a helicopter that changes the pitch of the propellers instead. But the controls are the same. There's a lever that makes the pitch of the props change, just like our throttle. There's yaw. There's pitch and roll. I'd I'd love to try it. I I need to find a simulator somewhere, like a cockpit simulator. There must be a place you can go. I should look that up. Uh, must be. <laughs> I I had a friend I, I went to college with. She was um. She went into the military. She was a, like, a, I guess, a doctor, flight, flight surgeon. And they said they they trained her in flying helicopters. I was like, oh, so you can fly a helicopter now? She's like, eh, I could probably land a helicopter without crash, <laughs> crashing too badly. <laughs> like, well, that's the scariest part, right, is landing. Yeah. I remember playing my old Chuck Yeager game on the computer, and hey, landing was not easy. It's it's a great day for flying. That's that's all I got to say. It's a great day. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why I'm old, because my memories of the Chuck Yeager game are from the one before that, the previous game. What the? Oh, the. Wait, which? Because I was the one. Mine was called Advanced Flight Trainer. It had there were no weapons, no combat, no other airplanes. It was just you flying an airplane. Okay. Yeah, I I remember I played the World War II one, and that was pretty fun. Um, Yeah. It's like. Not a great day for flying. just you know I never oh, had oh man it t- it actually talked yeah I, I never had the money oh, for the I'd... actual sound card though so it would sound just like it sounded just like the real Chuck Yeager yeah I guess so um, I don't know I've never heard I don't know if I've ever heard Chuck Yeager that's disappointing that I'm realizing that. So when you're making these quadcopters, um, these frames, I've seen many of them are made from carbon fiber. How do you actually machine that stuff? Because I heard it's uh, pretty dangerous. Well, you know, you know, about a year ago, I would have actually not known exactly how these were. were well, maybe more than a year ago. We'll say it's a year anyway. 
about a year ago, I would have guessed maybe they do these, they cut these frames with a water jet or something. They cut them out of, uh, they call it impregnated carbon fiber sheets. It's, uh, you know, they have layers of carbon fiber with the strands running uh, perpendicular to each other. So one layer goes down, then they rotate it 90 degrees, put another layer down, and they do that, I don't know, 20 or 30 times in a millimeter or something. I'm making that up. I don't know how many layers there are. And then so you get a sheet that's, you know, 400 by 500 millimeters or so. And I would have guessed that you'd do it with something like a water jet. But apparently the water jet just destroys the epoxy, but doesn't do a thing to the carbon fiber. Mm. Or maybe it does cut the carbon fiber, but it's really rough. It's just bad news. So, yeah, you use a a CNC router with a tiny little bit to, to carve out the carbon fiber. And I'm working on a on designing a frame. I I think I've I officially called this version 1.0 the other day, so I'm I'm pretty excited. Nice. It's a uh, most people that fly freestyle fly. We call them five inch quadcopters. It's a uh, we the and even in Europe they call them five inch quadcopters all over the world. I don't I don't understand how we we dominated the propeller sizing for aircraft but i, th- I think the, the inch, propellers are... the, the inch unit i think is coming back in style you know i, I don't know about yeah it's vintage maybe max... i i hope so because i understand inches i have a lot of trouble you know convert i guess inches make yeah. sense for but... things that are large like a quadcopter five inch makes more sense than like i don't know 13 centimeters yeah and it must have stuck around like Tire sizing, wheel sizing. Yeah, tire sizing. Which is real weird. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because the size of your yeah the size of your rim is in inches, but then the rubber is in millimeters. Oh yeah, the width. I think the width is in millimeters. Like. Yep. Sixteen slash seventeen two seventy five, and two seventy five is how wide your tire is. Yep. Yep. It's exactly right. But most people fly the five-inch quadcopters because they, you know, it's a very good balance. They're they're very nimble. They're they're very stable for capturing video, but they're also starting to be illegal in parts of the world. There's a some countries have. I know Canada has a. If you go over 250 grams, you you either need some sort of license. It depends where you are in the world. You either need some sort of license, a certification, and you may or may not need to register your quadcopter if it's over 250. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of popular to have smaller, smaller drones. So I'm designing a little, a little frame that's made to use uh, three-inch propellers, and they're pretty common. But it's, it's, they've just started releasing some decent high-definition cameras for these uh, racing drones. Where they combine, they do, they send an, the same camera sends an analog feed to our goggles and records a, a 1080p feed to an SD card on the quadcopter from the wow. same camera. That sounds lens. really, really good. It's, it's awesome. It's not nearly as good as our GoPros though. I'm a little bummed out about ah, okay. that, but, but for what you're, for what you're getting, it's, it's interesting. And last year, somebody designed a really cool frame that, They've separated the bottom half, the noisy half of the quadcopter, where the motors are causing a lot of vibrations, from the top half of the quadcopter, where the battery sits and the camera. They have little rubber bushings. Oh, nice. So, so, so the idea is, you know, the, the bottom vibrates and it doesn't transmit that into the camera as much. But it's kind of a beefy three-inch quadcopter that he made. I think his frame weighs about uh, 55 grams. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot, 
but when you're trying to stay under 250 grams, it's it's pretty substantial. So I'm I'm not really doing anything new. I'm just combining a bunch of things that are not all available in one product today in the product that I want. That's that's what I like to do. If something doesn't exist that I want, I want to make it, right? Yeah, that's awesome. And and you're calling the uh, Kestrel, right? The Kestrel. Yes, we I figured it needed a name because I kept, you know, every time I tweet about it or talk about it in Discord or anywhere, I'm just saying my frame or my little three inch frame or something. And, you know, I guess branding is important, they tell me. So I, I figured it needed a name. Yeah, no, and I, think I go- that's good. I Googled for, you know, I figured, well, it flies. So maybe there's a, what are birds or animals with good eyesight? And all the good names are already taken. All, all the nice FPV cameras <laughs> have names like Eagle and Owl. I'm like, oh, that's a bummer. They would have been good names. So I started Googling for small, tiny birds of prey. And I guess the American kestrel is about the size of a pigeon on the big side. And I also realized that just there's a park near my house here where we actually all of us here learn to fly our quadcopters. And you can see part of that park from my driveway here. And the some the city or something, I don't know who did it. The there was a kestrel that was injured by a you know a BB gun or something. Or, and it was nursed back to health. Or a quadcopter, the poor thing. I've almost my quadcopter's almost been attacked by a pretty big bird, and I was very scared for that poor bird. When <laughs> <laughs> those blades will really get because you, you would have shot but, it. Well, I wouldn't have shot it, but if I mean, I'll tell you, I was sitting on a park bench, and I just took off. I, the quadcopter was in front of me, and I heard rustling in the tree right above me. And, you know, I was flying forward away from me and I heard the noise. So I turned the quadcopter around to look. And for about 20 frames of video, you see this big hawk looking thing swooping down at my quadcopter. (laughs) And then it changed its mind and took off. I was like, oh, that poor thing would have lost his wings or his feet or something if he if he kept that up. Hmm. But the Kestrel is apparently it's one of the smallest falcons. And. The 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 picture of the little kestrel that got released here it was adorable and I said well that's we learned to fly there this is all this stuff is coming together we'll just call it the kestrel it's a good name we'll take that's it. a good story that sounds, that sounds so so sweet yeah that's that's very nice I think so I like it so so speaking of that are you gonna sell it on Tindy along with your other other contraptions well uh, I would love to I'm 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 getting enough response from the few people that I've been talking to that I'd like to get these manufactured. And that's, that's almost terrifying. I've looked up, you know, I went to Alibaba and there's all kinds of uh, Chinese companies that will cut carbon fiber for you. And it seems reasonably priced, but from what I hear, so many companies that do this, that cut carbon fiber in China, they use very low quality carbon. And I don't know how to shop to find and how to trust that a company is going to use good materials, you know, it's, sure. it's well, going to be interesting. We had a guy, uh, Daniel from switch and lever a couple episodes ago. He actually, actually went to China. I guess, what was it? The big, the big Shenzhen. there in Shenzhen. Yeah. And, um, sounded like quite the adventure. I mean, he, yeah. from what he said, it, you can get pretty good quality stuff there, but uh, it does sound like quite the, Quite the crazy place, I guess. Yeah, it sounded to me like you really have to micromanage everything they do to get what you want. At least that's what I heard of him, or what 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 my takeaway was from his experience there. 
and that communication was quite difficult. Yeah. yeah, but I've heard that they they have people, unskilled people, operating a lot of the machinery, and I've heard that you have to keep an eye on them because they'll, you know, if if your job is to drill a hole in a piece of metal, you'll just keep doing it until the bit breaks, unless somebody tells you to stop and say, no, you've worn out that bit and the hole isn't big enough anymore. You've got to, somebody has to, you know, keep an eye on Yeah, well, I I guess it depends on how how long of a time people have been training. I mean, there must be lots of trained people in China. They can't be building all this stuff. But you can't find, you you just don't know how to find it is the trouble from from where I'm sitting here. Exactly. In Texas. I have the same problems. Like I would love to produce in China, but uh, first of all, I always have to think that they just want to screw me over if I send them my money. Like if, yep. if I send them $400 for these screws, will I actually get the screws or will it just run off? Because there's nothing I can do about it. And it would be the nope. same for them if they bought in Germany. Like if they send money to Germany to buy whatever here um, – there's nothing they could do if the seller would send not send it off or send something broken. You can't send it back anyway. Postage is more than the product is worth, so it's a little bit ex- difficult to set up a good relation with the sellers over there. And they, I don't know about to Germany in particular, but they can mail stuff to the U.S. for next to nothing. It's amazing how cheap the shipping is. Some stuff, light stuff, light stuff is, but yep. like if. Yeah, yeah. I bought like 20 kilograms worth of screws because they're specialized and they're quite expensive in Germany. And I had to pay, uh, I think the screws were 200 euros and the shipping was 200 euros. Yeah, you go you go to AliExpress and you, you want to buy little Arduino Nanos or something. Yeah. And you could buy five of them and the shipping is 10 cents yeah. or something. And you go up to 10 and now they want $50 <laughs> for shipping. <laughs> Yeah, it, it takes a while, but it, you know it's it's fun. You know, I'll, I'll buy stuff that I think I'll need on uh, eBay or usually eBay, and then you know a, a month later something comes in the mail. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I I it's a happy or, surprise. Yeah, it's a happy surprise. It, it's like it's like it's like the shipping becomes so long that it becomes almost like a feature. Like I have like um <laughs> you know those deli- delivery box services. I, I've just kind of made my own because I'll just kind of like okay, that looks interesting. That looks interesting, and you know it's like two dollars for this thing and uh, you know the great thing is when you have this stuff at hand you can you can build stuff really really fast and it's even better than if it was overnight shipping obviously i don't know but then um you know like like our last guest brian or not our last published guest brian brian was saying you know you you wouldn't necessarily buy as much if you get it next next day and that's that's absolutely true too it's true and boy i'm so reliant on amazon i don't know I don't know about oh, yeah. you guys. I don't know how it is in yeah. Germany, but they'll get me stuff so fast and so yeah, easy. Yeah, and cheap as well. I can get like free Arduino Nanos for, I think, six euros from Amazon, free shipping. So what's it's the point of getting it from China? This stuff comes from China. The sellers are Chinese. Somehow they have warehouse in Europe. Yep. Yep. It's a good, it's a good time to uh, be buying random electronics. I guess that's... Oh yeah, we live in a what a time to be yeah. alive. What a time to be alive. And there's some stuff from China that's really <laughs> good. I bought this uh, gimbal ball for my um, for my phone because my phone is my camera for YouTube. And this gimbal. Oh, which one did you get? I have two. Ah, uh, it's Zuni maybe. Uh, Z- 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 Zion yeah, something? yeah, something like that. Now, let, let me check my my uh, 
my uh, account here on Amazon real quick, but uh, it's great. Like the app is reasonable. It works really well. Yeah. It's it's tiny. It was super cheap, like compared to something made from a reputable brand. Ziyun, yes. Z-H-I-Y-U-N. Yeah. And it's a fantastic It's amazing. Product. Like the stuff they have, the, the, the packaging is amazing. The thing itself, all the features, the plastic, everything on that is, you know, as if it was made by GoPro, a reputable company. Yeah, I love yeah. the thing. And I wish well, you know, there were more of these products that you can, you know, get from China. You know, I, I think you'll find this especially amazing, Max. I actually um, bought something from China. It was a magnification lens. And it said it was made in China, but it was actually labeled made in Germany. So they're actually making German German uh, optics in, in China now. Did, did you know Did you know about this? Is this? Well, probably it was made in Germany and they bought it from Germany to put a housing around the lens. <laughs> oh, that, that makes sense. <laughs> anyway, it was the label on it said made in Germany, like the, like the, yeah, it wasn't made in Germany. <laughs> they just wrote it, it on made there. in Germany. You know, I don't like even write the, made the in Germany on my products because I'm scared I could get sued. So I assembled well, I, mean, well, I just write made in and then the name of my hometown because there's definitely no not a trademark for this and <laughs> wait, wait, wait. there's a, I mean is it like a trademark for Germany? No, I, I, but kinda... but you definitely well everything is made in Germany anyway. Like I don't think anything I buy except for the screws are made in China. All the aluminium and all that stuff um, is definitely made here. I know that, but um, I'm not so sure. Oh, I, I, I guess what you're saying is you want to make sure all of your parts are sourced from Germany. Well, I, I'm not even sure. At the beginning, I thought you need like to pay a license or something like that to use this term. So I, I just I decided not to use it because who cares? I don't. And they know it's the same. Yeah, by the time they see the label, they've already bought yeah. it. <laughs> they already have it. So. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be different if you were on a store shelf and they say, oh, they've got this one, but the one next to it's made in yep. Germany. So, <laughs> yep, it's it's already too late. And it's like some products, of course, they're made in Germany. It's not worth it shipping it from China. Like, can't think of anything now. But Some furniture, like couches. Most of the couches you buy are actually made in Germany or in Europe. It's not worth it that much to ship it from China. But there's a price difference because shipping is just too much on these because they have a big volume. So, or like potatoes, there's no point getting potatoes from China. That's a, that's a good point. No, they come from Idaho. <laughs> that's that's what I know about potatoes. <laughs> Potato you know, Max, potato you guys. This, you might find this interesting, Max. During the um, here in Florida, you can actually buy oranges that come from South Africa or come from, I think, South Africa. Or, any, anyway, the, the reason they do it, I think, is because of the seasons. That, but it's kind of like... Yeah, that makes sense. You, know, you go to the store, you buy the oranges. and Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. We have a fantastic pancake you know, breakfast restaurant nearby. And they do freshly squeezed orange juice. And I ordered some one day and they said... You probably don't want the orange juice. The oranges aren't in season right now, and they're not very good. <laughs> it, so I said, okay, I'll have something else. I don't know what I had, but... That's very nice of them. But I guess it makes a big difference. 
It was nice yeah. of them. Well, they don't want me to buy a $5 orange juice and then complain that it tastes worse than that, that's, the, yeah, that, out of the Yeah, that's car. how I do my business. Like, yeah. I'm really scared that people will be uh, disappointed by my products. Yeah, all the, all the stuff on my Tindy store, I tell them, this stuff's too expensive. 3D print your own. <laughs> it's a be- much better value. If, if you have, this is the last resort. Come to me as the last resort. If you really want this thing, I'll make it for you. But otherwise, you know, speaking of no, of these oranges, my parents they saw like there's a crowdfunding thing, like a crowdfunding orange field in Spain, and they the news article was a bit like, um, yeah, because business is not going well in Spain and lots of uh, unemployment, and. Some people decided, yeah, we're going to crowdsource these orange trees. So you can buy your own orange tree for like, a, I don't know, 100 euros. Then it's your orange tree. And all the oranges from that um, get put in a box and sent to your door with UPS, which is like FedEx in Germany, I think. Um, and it's like, oh, wow, this makes really sense because they're um, a little bit cheaper than the stuff you buy in store, even though they ship it straight to your house. And they said, like, yeah, you get really fresh oranges and juicy and they look beautiful and they're from Spain and they're organic. And then when the first box arrived at home, they send you, like, it's a huge box, like, a, yeah, it, it's it's enough oranges for you and your family and all your neighbors for the month, probably. And, and when they arrived, we tasted them and they were sour as hell. <laughs> Oh, that's a problem. They never mentioned that they're sour as hell. You can't even... They, they, they tasted like lemons. <laughs> but, maybe, but the rest was true. They were super fresh. Trick. They were nice and orange. They were... They smelled good. They looked like good oranges. You just couldn't eat them. Didn't they tell you you needed to add sugar? <laughs> <laughs> but now we still got this orange I mean, tree. The- <laughs> We're just not so, so wait, wait. ordering do you, anymore. Do you have to pay? Well, upkeep? yeah. Well, you if you want the oranges from your tree, you have to uh, pay for every shipment. So it's like an investment. Okay. You you buy once the tree, and then you just pay a little bit for service and handling and shipment, of course. But at the end, they're cheaper than buying them in a store, just a little bit. I will. I want to put this on a spreadsheet. I want to see the, my total cost of ownership and, uh, you know, when this, when the value, when this pays oh, off the, for me. This oh, this paid off after the first shipment. <laughs> the, oh, no. the first, that's oh, no, 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 the, the first season. You get a shipment every month during the season, which is like six months. But, yeah, I can't recommend it okay. unless you like really sour oranges. Well, I think it's... See, see, I would not have guessed that a... An orange tree grows oranges over and over again during a season. I would have thought it was a one and done kind of thing. That's me neither, but I bet Jeremy knew that. Well, no, oranges, I mean, they only produce once a season, I believe. Why? That's kind of, it's kind of strange. Hmm. What do you mean? You get more than one? Yeah, like six, no, six like shipments every... a season. Hmm, that... Maybe from maybe, different maybe trees? They're harvesting, maybe they're harvesting them at different months. Maybe they'll... Yeah, that's what I mean. I guess that yeah, could maybe be... they don't all mature at the same time. Well, I'm I'm sure we didn't get from our specific tree, you know. Uh, I know that. They just say it's from your tree. Well, they don't. Course. The accounting for that yeah. would be. So you've only, you've only had one shipment so far. <laughs> is, is that... <laughs> yeah, yeah, Steve. Make sure you only get the oranges from tree number yeah. seven. 
and send them send them to Max because that's his street. Hmm. <laughs> oh, and another orange related story is we have this book here, which is like uh, I don't remember the name, like Smart Entrepreneur, something like this, and he's like. Yeah, so um, he's a professor for, I think, e economics, no business. And he said, like, this tea that I'm drinking, why is it so expensive? Like, a, a, a box of tea uh, bags costs, like, three euros, and it's really just a little bit of paper in there, and then a tiny, tiny bit of tea. There's not a lot of produce in there. And then he, like, broke down the cost. Like, okay, the supermarket gets one euro of that, then uh, whoever handles it gets a euro, and... The guy who actually makes the tea somewhere in uh, China, I think, I think it's in China, no, India, North India, um, they they make just, you know, a few pennies. And he thought, maybe I could make this cheaper. So he started the tea campaign, and now he's selling tea wholesale straight to your house. So you buy once a year, you get a shipment of like, I don't know, three kilograms of tea, which is an insane amount because tea is really lightweight. But you get it also really cheaply because he cut out the middleman, all the distribution stuff. And I thought like, wow, this is a great idea. You know, he really made a huge business. People save money on their tea. The farmers get a fair share. The supermarkets get less money. And I thought like, does this <laughs> exist for other, uh, um, you know, products? And I knew because my parents, they, they run a hotel or they used to run a hotel. Um, I guess there's no past sense for run. Ran. They ran a hotel. And they have a lot of orange juice. So I looked up like orange juice concentrate and it actually exists. And there's, oh, yeah. I, and there's yeah. like, yeah, we are the cheapest orange juice anywhere. And you just mix it with water and you get perfect orange juice for, for you and your family. And then the price was even higher than if I had bought just one liter of orange juice from Amazon, including shipping. Yeah. Complete joke. Hmm. But I can keep... I could keep, I could keep that orange juice in my freezer for that concentrate for three okay. months, and then decide I would like some orange juice today. There's a, it's different. I, I still think it, I agree with you that it's silly, but. But why would you uh, want orange, to store orange? Orange juice stores fine. Yeah, I don't know, because <laughs> I don't. I you know this would be different if I had if I had uh, you know a couple of cans of uh, frozen orange juice concentrate in my freezer. <laughs> I'd probably have a good argument with you, but I don't. That's not something I do, so I don't have a. <laughs> no, you know, I, I think I think orange juice concentrate was maybe a little bit more abundant, you know, 20, 30 years ago. I don't really know why that was. Yep. Maybe. Oh, you used to have I it. I remember I used to. Oh yeah, we used to mix it up all the. I mean, that was only only kind of all orange the time. Juice it doesn't exist here. A while, and then we started just buying the gallons or whatever from well, Tropicana or. And Florida's natural. That's the best kind of thing. I'm sure Jeremy knows more about this than I do. Jeremy's well, I, family I actually like a, builds processing is, plants for, for oranges. Right. So I feel, I, I feel like I'm going to embarrass myself somehow. I, I don't, you know. Maybe no, that's okay. Well, then I won't even... Jeremy may or may not know more about this than I do. But I, I've read about how they, they make orange juice. They squeeze all the orange juice as soon as the oranges come off the tree is while it's in season. And then they store them in giant tanks. They suck all the oxygen out, and it's in there all year, just sitting in that tank, waiting to be put in a, you know, the cartons to send home. And there's perfume manufacturers that create packets of, you know, I don't know what it is, scent and flavor that they put back into that orange juice before 
it's put in the cartons and shipped <laughs> to your home because uh, that's that's correct. They say that when you, t- yeah, they say when you take the oxygen out, all that air out, all the flavor and aroma just kind of vanishes. It's just gone and killed, and you wouldn't even know it's all the nutrition still in there, but you wouldn't know it's orange juice anymore. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I want to go visit this tank. Oh, me too. I want to visit an orange processing plant. Bet my girlfriend wouldn't. Oh, no. I I like orange juice. I, I drink it all the time. Okay. It's a good uh, good segue, though, I guess, into something a little different. I guess before we forget, we should probably uh, probably call out our sponsor for the show. Oh, right? yes, Max. definitely. Yeah, so... Uh, so I'm excited to hear about this. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess sponsors, maybe we're... Perhaps we're overplaying it. Supporters maybe is better. Better, but um, old school DIY at GFC sixty two, Positive Waves and Stephen Booker they all support us on Patreon, so we appreciate that very much. Thank um, you very much. You know, if anybody, yeah, thank you very much. Um, if anybody else wants to jump on the band bandwagon, uh, what we've said is the you know, top five people when we record, we'll give you a nice shout out, or it doesn't have to be a person even. It could be you know your, uh, you know Ted's. Ted's uh, bug ex- extermination service, or you know, yeah. um, Jim's Jim's novelties. If you wanted to put that as your as your handle, I guess we could do that. Um, or you can even advertise no. your Etsy store here. Yeah, you could even do that. Or Tindy, uh, if, if you like. Or, or even on yeah, Tinder, like if you're available and you want to get the word out there, we can make some advertisement for you. Yeah, that's. Do you know how many people think I'm talking about Tinder when I say Tindy out loud in person? <laughs> that's a good. That's a good point. I. Tindy you know, is I that the gay home, Tinder? So I... Yeah, I don't think Tindy's what you think it is, Pat. I think you're. They're pulling a fast one on you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. I. I. I guess I didn't think that because you know I've been married for happily for ten years or. 10 years. Yeah. 10 years. And, um, so, you know, I, my wife and I got engaged before that was even really a thing. It was like online dating. It was kind of, you know, kind of a strange, I don't want to say strange thing, but it was not, not usual. Now it seems like, obviously that's like a big deal deal. Like, I mean, Max, I guess, I guess, you know, you have a girlfriend, you, you have, we to met whatever, over but... Tinder. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, so you, uh, you both swiped right and you met up and you said, "Oh, you're same day." Cool. What kind of electronics was she same selling? Same day, same. Exactly. And she looked really unhappy on the picture, like <laughs> really upset. <laughs> she didn't smile whatsoever, but I thought, like, oh, she's just bad at taking pictures, probably. <laughs> and you thought, you thought, well, maybe, maybe there's a chance for me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Met the same day and happy ever after. Nice. Didn't have an argument yet in almost three years. So, yeah. which, which nobody well, believes uh, us, but not really an well, argument. Well, we, I, I believe you, but I think it's it'll happen one day. I think. Yeah, we were close yeah, sometimes, no. and you could argue that maybe that was an argument already, but. <laughs> at the end, she always realized uh, she was wrong. So, at, at, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when you're right, you're right, and when uh, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Or how does that? Well, or what Stanley said in the office, like I told it my last wife, I tell it my current wife, and I tell it my next wife. 
you know, I like that show, but I'm not nearly the uh, the fan that you guys are apparently. So, God, good for you, I guess. Yeah, it's you, a good show. You you know what Max? Do you know what Max would be excited about? There's a a friend of mine at our makerspace. He comes from Indiana, and Parks and Recreation does not tell you. You know, it's not a real, it's a fictional city. But he tells me that somebody's done the triangulation and they talked about, you know, there's so many miles from one <laughs> town, so many miles from another town. And the town that he grew up in is right where Pawnee, Indiana is. Oh, wow. Be. Okay. We're, we're, we, we got a pretty big kick out of that. But are are there similar, similarities? Uh, yeah. It's, it's uh, Indiana. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely the same. It's the same sort of town. It's similar enough. You know, like Larry Bird there, I guess. And, and Detlef. They must. And Detlef Shrimp, probably. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I watched Parks and Recreation, but I was never a huge fan. I thought it's okay, but not amazing like The Office. Yep. Did, now, Max, what was your opinion of The Office after Michael Scott left? Though I, I feel like that was... It was good enough. You know. It's still entertaining. I think the other characters, they're all so good. Like, all of them are really amazing, especially uh, Andy and Aaron and Dwight, of course. I don't think they need him. Yeah, no, I, I kept watching for maybe a year afterwards, and I'm like, eh, I've, you know, time, time to move on with, with my life, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, I guess uh, speaking of that, I guess we're uh, kind of getting towards the end of the show. Is there... Um, uh, can you tell us what you're, you're you're working on? I guess you've told us the whole the whole show you've been working on the quadcopters, but is there anything else, any other projects you've been working on this week or this month, Pat? Uh, I think I, you know, learning how to operate a CNC machine to cut carbon fiber has been taking up a lot of my time and knowledge and uh, you know my learnings. You know this this last month, I got way ahead of myself. You know, I decided last year I was going to buy that CNC router you know, sometime early this year. And I figured early this year, that'd be March, but I ended up ordering in January and I was way behind on my frame design. And I should probably mention the, the quadcopter frame. It's all open source. It's up on Thingiverse. And anybody who wants to cut one or tweak the design <laughs> or whatever, everybody's welcome to, I don't know if anybody will. It's a lot different than 3D printing. You know, you put something, you open source a 3D design and throw it on Thingiverse and everybody's excited Hundreds of people make your thing, and but I don't think many people have CNC routers at home, so I don't think it's gonna. Well, it won't be as popular in that sense. Max, do you have a CNC router? I, I do. Do you have one, Jeremy? I, I do. So I mean, well, as yeah. far as I could tell, nearly. I mean, a hundred percent of people. A hundred percent of people have. A even CNC my girlfriend router. has oh, access to a CNC router. So, so even over a hundred percent of the people in this conversation have. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I, I recently yeah, I think your downloaded just amazing. a nut from Thingiverse, and I need an M20 nut. And I thought I'd just print one quickly instead of you know going to the hardware store and buying one. And when it printed out, it wouldn't fit on the thing that I turned. And I thought maybe I turned the thing wrong. And then I realized it was an M18 nut. They labeled it wrong. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you can't just scale that because the threads would probably be wrong. Oh, I'm not sure. You can't just say, I'll bump that up by 10% or whatever <laughs> to get to M20. And the it's not quite 10%, I, but it's close. I guess you could tap it if you had a tap that big. A, I don't. A pretty big tap. That's, um, yeah. 
So I've had a lot of luck just making the holes just barely too small and just forcing the threads <laughs> of something into an M20. That might be too big though. That might be a little, that might be pushing it. Sounds, sounds violent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Jeremy, what have you been working on? So I guess, uh, I guess my biggest project or I guess biggest project I've, I've put out there is I made a, speaking of CNC routers, I actually made a, a fixture for my router that would do light painting. So if, if you're familiar with this at all, you know, if you take a picture, it's capturing all the light that goes into the, into the, um, sensor. You can, and this can be during one time or during a minute, two minutes, five minutes, whatever. So my fixture for the CNC router actually takes a light and passes it over the, the camera, um, you know, progressively. So you can actually like program it to make pictures. So instead of, instead of say drawing something on a piece of piece of wood, it's actually drawing everything with light on the camera, which hopefully makes sense the way I'm describing it. But I think, um, it's really oh, cool. I saw the video. That was, it was, was a great awesome. video. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I assume it's still awesome. I'm not, I don't mean to imply the past. Yeah, no, there. it's, uh, it's I, I guess, cool. well, it, it was because, you know, these, these light pictures only exist in a moment of time and then, then they're gone. So that's, Absolutely correct. You blink and you miss it. So, what about yourself, Max? Anything you've been uh, working on this week or month? Uh, I've been well. Sales sales have been pretty good, so I'm really busy in the workshop building drawer slides all week, and I have been last week and the week before and so on. But that meant I could afford some new tools for the shop, so I'm getting a, a press break. Oh, nice. Uh, so I can, yeah, um, bend sheet metal, which will be really nice if it works. And it's been a real pain to get one. But I've, it looks like it's on the way. <laughs> like <laughs> The guy, I, I asked the guy like two weeks ago, so have we got a deal? And he's like, yeah, we've got a deal. No, he said, I, I'm going to um, tell you tomorrow. And next day I asked like, so what's going on? And he said, oh, I tell you tomorrow. And then it was the weekend. And on Monday I asked him again. And he said, yeah, the driver is on his way. So that day I was waiting for the driver and he didn't arrive. And I was like, so what, what time is he going to come? Oh, he's on its way. And I was like, it's already the next day. He got lost. How can he still? Yeah. And then he didn't reply for a few days. Then I sent him another email and he's like, well, he's still on his way. He's got 10 customers to service. And I'm saying it, it's been a week. Is this how business is done in Germany generally? I, I, it's much different than in America, apparently. <laughs> And he always writes his emails like just four words, <laughs> so it's a you bit dodgy. But I'm on my. But way. I didn't pay yet. I'm, I'm, I'm paying cash yeah. when it arrives, so I hope it arrives. But I also bought some um, drawer slides um, and like drawer slide cabinets, like machinist cabinets. Um, oh, nice. They're really nice, yeah. And I'm improving uh, the lathe area, so the, I've got a tabletop lathe and I bought these two cabinets for all the tools and on top I put a piece of wood and now I'm installing the lathe today. So well, that sounds that sounds awesome. Yeah, Im home really improvement. Does. First I thought I would I, build these out of wood, the cabinets, but then I realized I can't be asked to make that many drawers. And I'm really glad I bought them out of steel. Yeah, sometimes it's best just to pay for I I, I think it's like if it's not an interesting project you know, you just buy it, I think. But yeah. Like, you know, yeah, kind of random question, but do you guys have daylight savings in time in Germany? Because it's not oh, yeah. time change things. And did you guys change this week? Because uh, it wasn't. Didn't notice. 
But I'm self-employed. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> That's true. Anyway. I know the feeling. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. Can, so can I tell you guys about, about one, oh, of one course, more yes. thing? Because sure. it's not even my thing. It was just I was at my friend Brian's house last night because uh, somebody – he's not allowed to talk about this until the 15th, and I think that's today. By the time you guys post this, I'm sure it'll already be after the 15th. He was writing up a blog post about this. That's... A gentleman sent him a 3D-printed PC case. And it is absolutely gorgeous. It has eight or seven or eight uh, drive bays with little TPU printed rails. It has it's everything's upside down. The little ITX motherboard goes on the top, and the power supply goes on the bottom. And it's got door. The door opens up on the front, and the it's just. I mean, I can't even describe to you how amazing this thing looks. But I was over there helping him take pictures and video of it last night. Nice. So it's so we'll fantastic. see that up on your uh, I guess your social. Your social sites, as they like to say? Absolutely. I will be tweeting nice. the heck out of that because it is it is so cool. The guy has no idea how cool it is, I don't and, think. I I hope he does. this guy's name, I guess we should give him a shout-out too, right? Uh, I would love to. I only know his name is Toby. I don't know his last oh, name. He's the I, worst. I didn't have any of this in writing, isn't it? <laughs> yep. But you guys have to see it. I'll, se- I'll send well, it to check out you your guys. blog at... Petshead.com. Yeah. Yep. Petshead.com is my website, and uh, I'm at Petshead.com on uh, Twitter, and I'm sure there's a way to that, find me. On that's YouTube. a really good works, uh, domain so. name, I have to say. Hey, hey, does, does, does anybody Thank ever you. Refer, Thank call you Mr. Head? I, I just, I get my head. Uh, I get emails all the time. <laughs> all the time there's emails. Mr. Head. Uh, that's how you know that they don't know who I am. It's just a, you know, spam. It's like, oh, yeah, that can't be right. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah and thank you for the compliment on the domain name that was uh we figured that out in a in the late 90s we came up with that idea in a bar and we just figured we need a spinning head and we figured it needed a domain name and there was nothing on there for 10 years it was just an animated gif of my spinning head and absolutely nothing for the longest time sounds like a good website to me so <laughs> thank you <Thanks. laughs> Well, uh, well, thanks so much for, for coming on. We uh, had a good time yeah. meeting you. Really good well, Thanks for really having me. Podcast. I, I definitely enjoyed myself. Thank you. Good. All right, guys. See you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>